around in every corner of the interwebs. Thank you for tuning in. We hope you're enjoying this beautiful Sunday, the 8th of July. You are listening to the Podland Trailcasters. I am Keith Feltner-Smith. Here with me, as always, the daring, the dashing, the beautiful, and the bold Brandon Goldner. What's up, B? What is up, Keith? I am doing well. And if you want to know how we're both doing at any time, you can always connect with us at Trailcasters on Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram. Emails? We love emails and we'll never yes. delete them. It's going to be trailcasters at gmail.com. You can also hook up with us at justtrailcasters.com. But the most important thing, and I usually slow down for this, but I'm just going to go to medium speed, it is that we want your five-star reviews, whether they are an iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, or whatever podcatcher you're using. That doesn't matter. What does matter are those reviews because more reviews means that more people see the show. More people means more fun. Keith, how is everything going on this very, very, very sunny summer afternoon? It's a beautiful sunny Sunday, and I love more fun, like you were saying. Today, we have a great show for you guys. We have Matt George Moore from uh, Rip City Project coming in. We're going to be talking about how Nurk is staying in Portland. We also have the latest on our roster, what to expect from Neil and the team, as well as uh, addressing some absurd rumors and ridiculous L.A. fans. And then we have a very special uh, segment with Brian Freeman uh, chatting with us from Summer League. We're going to get right into all that. But first, let's get a word from our sponsor, Envy Adventures. Keith, let me ask you a question. When it's this beautiful outside, do you wish that you were up in the air and not on the ground? Don't even answer that because I know that the answer is yes. But if you feel <laughs> the same way, you should check out Envy Adventures at EnvyAdventures.com. That's E-N-V-I Adventures.com. Well, who the hell are they? They are a private chartered flight company organization. I don't know how to describe it, but what they do is they take you in a <laughs> private plane, you and your buddies. It can be you and I think two other people for a total of three people for as little as 100 bucks you can get above portland you can see the city the gorge mount hood it is all beautiful and it's something again that you can do with your significant other with your friends if you have family in town and particularly during the summer you can see a beautiful beautiful sunset that would be incredible just to see this natural area from a new perspective is super super dope so remember you want to check them out it's going to be envyadventures.com that's e-n-v-i adventures.com go give them a look <laughs> He's a Gator fan. He started off his journalism career down in Florida before moving to Oregon in 2006, where he worked for the Oregonian and Oregon Live for 10 years and is now a freelance writer and a, uh, let's say, site expert, editor, and contributor for Rip City Project. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the show. Matt George Moore. How are you, sir? I'm fine. Gentlemen, how are you? It's wonderful to be here. Big fan. I listen to you uh, often. You're part of my weekly routine. Uh, Brandon and oh. I have uh, chatted about that, uh, so... I'm oh. very excited to be here. I love Flattery your sweet, is worth sweet of lies. Every time, no, just kidding. No, it's awesome to have you on. Thanks for taking the time. We appreciate it. Sure, let's do this. Okay, so uh, last week we were pretty negative, I think, overall. We had a lot of uh, down stuff to talk about no. with uh, Ed's departure and some free agent <laughs> chaos. But I want to start off with something that I am very happy about personally. I'm sure you guys are right there with me. Nurkic is staying in PDX. We've got him for four years at $48 million. Yes, uh, comes to approximately about $12 million a year. Uh, I just want a quick shout out to some of our other guests to Brian Freeman, uh, Evan, Ty Delbridge, Michael Weisenberg. It seems like the number that a lot of guys have discussed here on the Trailcasters was about 12 mil- million a year. 
So I feel like we really had this tied in there. And Brandon, what you're you're responding there? Yeah, I because it, on the one hand, it is. I think we were all kind of worried. Like, would he get more on the open market? But it is a soft market. But then you also have, and just to really quick before getting Matt's thoughts on this, that number is even kind of in question because Adrian Wojnarowski reported a 48 million dollar over four years with a partial guarantee on the fourth. But then Sham Sharania of Yahoo reported 53 million, um, and we were actually talking a little bit before we started recording. You know, uh, that could reflect the partial guarantee in that fourth year. And then the other thing that's interesting is just kind of learning about where these numbers come from and how they're reported, because we know that Olshay is close with Adrian Wojnarowski, so maybe that was Woj's source. Maybe it looks better for the Blazers to report the lower number. And on Sham's side, maybe his source was Nurk's agent. Maybe he wants that number to be bigger, to look better. Um, so I just think that's interesting. Is it 48? Is it 53? It all kind of comes out in the wash, but... Matt, I mean, let's start with you just kind of on its face for a starting level center. He's 23 years old. It's about 50 million bucks. It's over four years. The team has some control at the end there. Like, what's your first impression of this contract? Like, thumbs up, thumbs down, happy, sad. Like, what are your thoughts about it? Well, definite. Uh, I think this is a thumbs up uh, for sure. And in, in fact, uh, I was a little surprised when I first uh, saw the numbers come through. They seemed a little bit lower than than I was expecting. Yeah, um, I was also a little uh, baffled by how it all went down. I know they offered the qualifying offer to Nurk, and uh, you know, within a couple of weeks, suddenly he's signing a contract. But I'm thrilled as a Blazer right. fan. Yeah, it seemed a little odd. Uh, as a Blazer fan, um, I'm I'm happy that he's he's locked down, and uh, you know, especially. Uh, considering over the last two years since the the infamous uh, 2016 signing season it's it's yeah. been a, a, a rough <laughs> ride for blazer fans and you know uh for neil olshay so this 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 to me is a positive all the way around um i know keith's a big fan of nurkic i've had my criticisms oh, yeah. of, of him and have uh, uh written about that in the past i'm sure we'll get into that as well but uh <laughs> young guy 23 year old guy uh on the up and up so i'm i'm really happy and i ex- i can't wait to see what happens next season well, I want to come back to two points that you guys were making. Uh, first off, Matt, what you were saying about uh, how this went down. What we do normally see, I would say, when someone is going out, when they've had a qualif- qualifying offer, excuse me, and they're going out looking for something else from other teams, usually there's going to be something large, maybe even a poison pill contract like we've talked about with previous seasons. We didn't see any of that. We didn't hear anything about other teams giving Nurk a giant offer that we'd have trouble matching. We just heard the next step was him coming back for this, like you said, fairly reasonable four years at about 12. And let me add a uh, uh, Brandon, if it is 53 over four years, that's only 13 and change. So it doesn't really pump up his numbers too much. It's not like suddenly we're paying him 15 million a year. Right. And it is interesting because think back to that, that summer of 2016, where those contracts were handed out like candy. And to be fair, the Blazers weren't the only team that made a bunch of bad decisions. You think about Luol Deng, think about Tim- Timofey Mozgov and a bunch of others. But uh, remember that both Myers, Leonard and Mo Harkless, uh, the qualifying offer was extended to them. They didn't get signed until later. Right. So I think what happened here is the same as what happened in 2016, which is the Blazers probably had a tentative understanding with Nurkic and his folks to say, look, we're going to extend the QO. If you can go out and find something huge, you know, good luck and Godspeed. But if not, here's kind of where we're, where we're going to stand. And I wanted to slide in here that 
Uh, a couple days before this news broke, I was on Reddit, uh, reddit.com slash r slash NBA, or no, slash Rip City rather than Rip City <laughs> subreddit. Uh, God, it's so cumbersome to say the whole web address. But anyway, uh, Bosnian sports media was reporting that Nurkic was going to get a contract. Now, they got the terms a little bit different. They said three years, 45, but the right, number was the same. That. So again, I, I honestly think, I think that this was an understanding where they said, Nurk, go out and try to get paid. If you can't, you'll have something to come home to i think it's a great thing um back to matt for this question like uh, keith and i if you as you said listen to casters you know we're pretty critical of neil olshay if you follow me at golden pdx you know that i'm very critical of neil olshay on twitter um you know to me this is a good decision right it's a solid decision and it creates what i think olshay wanted to do in 2016 to create a tradable asset right the salary cap is going to continue to rise those poor contracts from 2016 are going to come off the books so matt i mean in your view does this cha- and i i honestly i honestly don't know what you think of olshay kind of just in, in his tenure just kind of overall but keith is there shaking his head but matt like <laughs> in your view does this single move does this kind of substantively change the way that you think about how neil olshay is running the team uh it doesn't substantively do so i think uh, he has too much uh negative baggage to shed before um, he sort of equals, uh, or maybe gets the ledger even at least. Um, <laughs> right. but you know, uh, as we move forward into next season and towards the end of next season, maybe there will be some teams that are willing to pick up these loaded contracts that are going to expire. Maybe nobody wants Evan Turner necessarily now, but maybe as that contract comes close to being over maybe they're willing to pick him up for one year if he's a piece uh, that they feel like they can uh, uh you know use uh, to to better themselves my uh, my main thing you know with with ballers is not so much that they make a, a ton of money it's just that neil olshay paid a ton of money to a bunch of guys that aren't that great um that's right. what's most frustrating uh, to me as a fan um i don't mind spreading the money around um i just would like to see it uh have some better returns. So no, I need some, I need some more action from Olshay before I'm, I'm ready to, uh, uh, to give him the, you know, to, to, to see him stay uh, in his current position longer than, than, uh, he might. I'm, I'm with you on that one. And I want to circle back to more talk on Olshay in a second, but I do want to point out that after this Nurkic contract was signed, Brandon, you were one of the ones on Twitter. Uh, and you actually said that Olshay no, quote, do did a really good job here. <laughs> no. How dare you? I don't How want people to know that I'm saying good things about you. Olshay, it ruins my whole facade. Come on, man. No, it, it, was, it was credit where credit is due. And we talked about that last time. We do have to be yes. fair. We have to give them time to work this out. I don't like that you implying that this is not signing Nurkic for a future piece for the Blazers, but instead it's signing him for trade value i don't like where you're going with that well, no, no, no. I, can come- I mean what i'm saying is i mean think about this right like i mean a lot can change between now and four years right like damon cj their contracts are going to come up there's a lot the exact collins what's going to happen with him Anthony simons all of this and so just to say like again i think that the 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 logic the underlying logic behind the summer 2016 was neil olshay to hell with it the cap's going to keep going up we're going to sign these guys these contracts they're all going to get better we're going to be able to trade them if we need to and all of them became either negative or you know, I think in the case of Harkless, probably a neutral asset, probably the only neutral asset of the bunch. But um, so I'm not saying that I want them to trade Nurkic. I'm just saying it's helpful that you have, you know, I mean, it's like, I don't know. Having it's like, value. Yeah, exactly. It's, it, like it's 12- helpful to not let like Pat walk out the door or Shabazz walk out the door and, you know, let Ed go walk off. But yeah, anyway, I yeah. digress. No, no, uh, no, I w- do want to, I want to stoke one more fire before we move on to the next topic here. Do you guys see Nurk? 
if you don't see him as a trade piece, do you see him as a legitimate third piece here in Portland now? And kind of with that information, would you see Nurk as a more valuable piece next to Dame than CJ? Matt, which do you think is a, a bigger piece for Portland's future? Is, is Dame and CJ a better combo or is Dame Nurk a better combo? That's a good question. You know, uh, I've been critical of, of Nurkic, as I mentioned earlier, and I've written about uh, whether or not uh, he's going to sort of overcome these doldrums that he sometimes uh, falls into. And, I, you know, to be honest, I've written about it till my eyes started bleeding. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know when when that's going to sort of click for him. There's certainly been some times uh, over the past season, uh, there were times when he sort of disappeared. Um, I want that to change. Uh, if, if so, and I've written this as well at Rip City Project, uh, that uh, he can absolutely be a, a, a vital piece of Blazers success. Now, uh, if you were to look at the numbers, I don't know if you could compare him with CJ, but uh, I will say that I have been on record as saying they should trade CJ of, of the, of the pieces that they have now. Uh, if they were going to trade somebody, um, I would rather it be CJ McCollum based on, uh, what he can offer other teams, because to me, he's more of a, uh, of a piece rather than someone you can build around, uh, as, mm. as fabulous as he is on offense. Uh, he, he, he just owns that, that middle space of the court. He's sort of an old school baller in that respect, but you know, he doesn't dish the ball out very much. He's not a guy who gets a lot of rebounds, but he can definitely score some points. I like that. He's a, a fellow journalist. Um, I like yeah. him. <laughs> I, I see. Yeah. I seem to like him as a person. Uh, but, um, you know, if we could get some value back uh, for him, I, I wouldn't, uh, you know, be crying in my milk, uh, over that trade, but, uh, I don't know if that really answers the question. Uh, but, uh, I, to be, to be tr- totally honest, I would rather see all three of them could stay yeah. together and form the nucleus of a team that makes it at least uh, to the second round. Uh, no more first round uh, fallouts. Uh, I think I can speak for everyone in Rip City. Uh, we're yeah. sick of that. <laughs> yeah. I, and just to speak to Nurkic's inconsistency and to offer, because I'm such a positive dude, I've always got hope and thinking about <laughs> what could be that's a good thing. Just think about this. Look, he's 23. He had the most consistent season of his career last year. He's done nothing but speak well of Coach Stotts. He's done nothing but speak well of Damian Lillard. Damian Lillard has valued and nurtured that mentorship with Nurkic. So all this is to say, look, you got a young guy. He's even relatively new to basketball. I mean, he hasn't been playing playing basketball like his entire life either. It's a new country. It's a culture shock. So all this is like now he has a stable environment. He has security. He has life-changing money. He doesn't ever have to worry about that again for as long as he lives. He has a spot for him in Portland. There's a need there. Portland needed him. He needed Portland. He loves the coach. He loves Dame. So all this, like, I just think as he grows, as he matures, now that he has a stable environment, he has a role there. I think it really, I think we really could see next year that Nurkic could take some steps uh, in the consistency department, which is really what he does have to do. And one more quick thing to say, uh, the thing that would make me most worried moving forward is just how terribly he got abused by New Orleans. Now, New Orleans is a unique team. Their defensive structure is unique. Anthony Davis is a robot and is extremely difficult to guard, and I understand all of that. And I think that if you have a beefed-up Zach Collins, a defender who can switch, if he's a little more stout, a little more NBA-ready, I think that that could probably gloss over some of Nurkic's um, inability to kind of switch out you know, to the three-point line. He's really kind of stuck in the middle there. So that gives me pause. I think that Blazers fans should feel pretty good, though, that Nurkic, he really could, really could mature, really could grow up and really could get more consistent. That's my thought on it. 
It's okay, interesting, so I, though. Uh, I'm sorry, Keith. It's interesting, no, though, ahead, isn't it? Like, uh, uh, did, did any of us think that uh, heading out of the 2017-2018 season and into the offseason that the team, uh, on paper at least, doesn't look as good as it did when the season was <laughs> was ending? Yeah. Uh, that's no. That was a, a baffling sort of uh, move. I wasn't really expecting that to happen. But just to, to sort of dovetail around what... what uh, Brandon is saying, I really, uh, like Nurkic, uh, as a human, uh, he, you know, as much as you can know, these guys, he, he's a, he seems like a good dude. I want him to stay. Um, and I also agree that he's, uh, vastly improved over time. I, I thought last year, a lot of the complaints about him were his rushing up of shots and, 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 uh, sort of disappearing in games. And he definitely, uh, he definitely, uh, improved, uh, on that score. So, you know, as I said before, I, I want him to stick around. I want to see how, how much better he can be. And one more small thing, and I just have to plug my Twitter again, at GoldnerPDX. Please follow me. Please, please, please. Um, I tweeted out, and by the way, this is like the, the my most popular tweet of the year. I'm not bragging or anything, but it has 130 retweets. Remember, <laughs> I know, oh, right? The Blazers, the, here's, here's how we got to this situation with Nurkic, and this should make you feel good, too. The Blazers traded Mason Plumlee for Nurkic and a first-round pick. Nurkic is making less than Plumlee, and that first round pick is Zach Collins. So, like, just to say, hey. like, the path to Nurkic getting here, it's a very good thing. So, I mean, I think there's a lot to feel good about here. Okay, so you've both actually given pretty good segues into what I wanted to talk about next. Uh, Matt, you were bringing up the roster outside of Nurkic. While Nurkic is improving, the roster seems to have taken a step backwards. And, uh, Brandon, you're mentioning the actual value that uh, that we're getting out of Nurkic, how it is actually Nurkic and Collins for, essentially, Mason Plumley. Uh Let's talk about the roster quickly. We'll talk more about the the guys that we've signed, Curry and Stauskas. We'll talk about them in the future in detail. But so far, outside of getting Nurkic back, we've lost Ed Davis. We've lost Shabazz. We've lost uh, Pat. We've brought in Seth Curry, who sat out all of last season with injuries. We've brought in Nick Stauskas, whose biggest highlight and, you know, popular feature is a nickname nothing to do with his basketball game uh and we and we've brought in gary trent and anthony simons who you know it's debatable about whether they will actually have any impact on the season this year this is about neil we've talked about the summer of 16 and now we're seeing this season where okay we're bringing nurkic back but this is barely balancing the ledger if anything else if the if the roster is actively being made worse do you see a point approaching here with Neil where it's a point of no return in Portland. Can he, how far can he go before he just can't make amends? Uh, well, I'll jump in and say that he's probably got one more season. Uh, this he's got one more after this yeah, one. This, this whole uh, season? Well, um, Let's see what happens this season heading into the next off season. I don't know if, uh, unless he makes some, some uh, sort of a magnificent move, uh, that really shores the team up. I don't really know. Uh, how much longer he can stick around. The, the the question, however, is what Paul Allen feels about the guy. Uh, none right. of us really know, you know, those sort of inner workings. Um, he's been here, what, six years now? I think his first season was also Stotts and Lillard's yep. first season, if I'm not mistaken. So, um, you know, six years, uh, what, 12, 13, 14, 15, see, it's getting, getting kind of late in the day. Uh, and the team, uh, uh, needs to show steady improvement. Uh, those of us who write and talk about the team, um, you know, we're going to have to wait and see what happens next season with some of these new guys, uh, including, uh, uh, Sauce Castillo. See how, <laughs> see how well these guys do heading, I mean, he heading into great, the next season. He does have a great nickname. And just, <laughs> let's think about what you just said is such a great point. The Blazers have been bleeding 
talent. Think about the moves the Blazers made that had nothing to do with basketball. They lost Alan Crabb. They lost Noah Vonley. They lost Ed Davis, Shabazz Napier, Pat Connaughton because they couldn't balance their books. That's the reality. Now, I think that some of this and, and some of what will uh, determine whether or not Neil Olshay gets a grace period beyond this year. And I really, I don't see what Paul Allen's fascination is with the guy, to be honest. I mean, he's, it's really difficult listening to him talk. You feel like you need to take a shower afterwards. It's so gross. <laughs> like, just a used car salesman. It's just disgusting. That press conference, inter- okay, I'll just stop. I'm ranting. But it's going to be dependent upon the growth of Zach Collins, Anthony Simons, Gary Trent Jr. I mean, these young players, uh, 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 Caleb Swanigan, if they could, Yusuf Nurkic, if they can show, if they can grow in the ways that Mo Harkless didn't really grow, in the way that Myers Leonard didn't really grow, in the way that Evan Turner didn't really fit well and didn't continue the growth he showed in Boston, I think that you're going to see that he gets a longer leash if those young players look a little better. Um, but you're absolutely right. The Blazers have made a ton of non-basketball related moves simply to keep their books balanced. And that is a huge bummer considering the return on that was, again, Myers Leonard, Alan Crabb, Mo Harkless and Evan Turner, and we wish that all of them, save for Harkless, would have never been here probably or just would go away. I want to take a quick side tangent here. Uh, I was uh, I was at the Blazers What meetup yesterday. Uh, shout out to Tara, uh, Team Mom, and a number of other people that came out to watch the first Summer League game. We were talking about Caleb Swanigan. I want to ask you guys, how big of a deal do you think uh, it is that Swanigan takes that next step? He should definitely have minutes this year. He's probably going to mostly pick up the the Ed Davis role, I would think. So, I mean, Matt, how much of a how much of a role do you think Swanigan plays for the Blazers this year? Well, he must uh, play a bigger role because I think uh, I think he absolutely replaces what Ed Davis brought to the team. Not talking about what Ed Davis brought in terms of his veteran leadership and his mentorship to Zach Collins, among others, but uh, just in terms of what he does on the court. Uh, this is a big kid. This is a guy that can rebound. He can muck up the paint. Uh, if you watched any of the uh, summer league game yesterday, which uh, we did uh, as part of our Rip City coverage, uh, he was just relentless. Um, he goes after loose balls. He dives after things. He's always around the paint, and he can shoot a little bit. That's the little wrinkle that Ed Davis. Uh, Ed Davis was nothing, uh, no great shakes from the outside. And Caleb Swanigan seems to have at least a little bit of uh, range, a little bit um, of touch. Yeah. So I think he can. Uh, I absolutely want to see him play a lot more. Um, and I want. Uh, I've always been high on Swanigan since they first signed him. This guy was a beast uh, at Purdue, right? So uh, I want to see a lot more of him. And I think he can replace what we lost with Ed Davis and then some. Uh, and then just also to, to mention briefly something that uh, Brandon brought up, uh, Zach Collins's um, maturation. You've seen he's already gained a lot of weight. He's getting bigger. Um, uh, I know Brandon claims to be the conductor of the Zach Collins train. Uh, I would like to, I would like to offer my services as the co-conductor or perhaps the guy that shovels the coal, oh, come on. Yes. the coal into the, uh, the, the back of the, the train there to get it going. I you love got, Zach Collins. Got to wear the little to, striped hat though, please. I'll do whatever needs to be done. Uh, so, uh, Zach Collins, I think, uh, with these two guys, uh, if they can blossom a little bit, then maybe, you know, as Brandon said, uh, Neil O'Shea might have a little bit of, of leeway there.
And can I just, I want to gush about Zach Collins very briefly um, and to temper it with, yeah, very briefly, to temper it with what we what we saw in the first summer league game where he didn't look maybe as good as we wanted him to. Now, he's wearing a mask on his face. He got his nose broken during practice, slamming into Caleb Swanigan. But that's the part about him. That's the intangible part about him that I really, really like and that we want to see from Myers Leonard, that tenacity, the fearlessness, the, the there's nothing in his head holding him back from doing what he knows he can do, what he knows that he can do, from trying new things, from mixing it up. That is incredible. Plus, he can shoot. Plus, he's got some post moves. Plus, he's got really good vision. So, like, yeah, I'm a, I, I am high on Zach Collins. I'm hoping, I mean, the Blazers play in about a half hour in Las Vegas for their second summer league game, if I'm not mistaken. Would love to see more out of Collins. But just remember, A, it's summer league, and B, he is wearing this mask on his face, which is a huge bummer. It was his first game action with it on. That's probably going to affect things a little bit. He did have two pretty incredible blocks uh, yesterday. Um, so, yeah. anyway, yeah, just wanted to say a little bit about Zach Collins. And, yeah, I mean, Keith, I know you're on this train, too. I don't know where you are, if you're in the food service. <laughs> cart or if you're like i don't know where you well, are hey, you know what you know what if you're the conductor and i was trying to argue that i was there first back at the draft party the no day we way. drafted him i guess maybe that maybe that makes me what the engineer of the train that i build this that i put the tracks together for you to run on okay anyway well, we'll actually, come back to that. Uh, let, let me let me just Let's say this, labor this metaphor too far fellas oh come on I, I love torturing metaphors keith is right he actually he did prove to me because i had tweeted something out that predated anything keith tweeted but then he dug up this video of him talking to brooke olsen dan at the at the draft party so actually keith you you do win <laughs> But I'm still. I'm just gonna steal your thunder anyway. Just right. keep calling myself the conductor. <laughs> you, you can you can be the conductor. I'm just the owner of the the railroad state or the railroad. Anyway, that's fine. <laughs> uh, I do want to roll on. Let me get uh, one quick hot take on this. Just as far as the Neil Olshay factor with these guys that we were we're gushing about. What would let's say Zach Collins? Give me a hot take. What would Zach Collins have to do this year, or the Blazers as a whole, Matt, uh, to say, yeah, let's give Neil Shea another year after this one? Like that was so good, that's so amazing. He's good with me. We've we've made amends. What would it take? Well, certainly getting out of the first round of the playoffs uh, and uh, doing it with some of these younger guys playing significant roles. Uh, Zach Collins last year, as I look at BasketballReference.com, averaged four point four points, which doesn't really tell much of the story of what we all see in him. If he were to get that up closer to ten. That would be really, really fantastic. I'm not quite sure if that's something within his, uh, I mean, he could certainly do it. And it certainly has a lot to do with what the team, uh, how it's sort of built around uh, what they've got left. But uh, I did want to ask you guys, uh, he's often listed as a center. I see him more of sort of a uh, quote unquote stretch four, I guess they call that uh, player. Now, do you guys think of him as a center? Because I don't really think of him as sort of competing for time with Nurkic. I see them on the court at the same time. I'm I'm with you. I gotta say, I I like. I think if we didn't keep Nurkic, I think it would point more towards the idea that they really need Zach to bulk up and play that center role. Maybe become more of a stretch five, I guess, because he does have that range. Maybe you have Swanigan playing next to him as the power forward in the future. But right now, I do think the best move, or at least the lineup that I want to see the most of, would be Nurkic at the five and Zach at the four, taking uh, up outside space and still able to come in and defend and rebound. Yeah, that's that's where I see him as well. So to answer your question, I think they got to get out of the first round. It would be fantastic if they made a run for the Western Conference uh, Finals, uh, and Zach and Caleb have to sort of uh, grow a little bit in 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 and uh, before Neil. Uh you know, gets off the hot seat. Well, here's the thing, though, is that some of the best lineups with Zach Collins included Ed Davis, who's no longer on the team, right? So, um, and Ed Davis would be playing center in those lineups. But 
I think that Zach Collins, if you're looking at how do you maximize his skill set and his potential long term, probably in in the way the NBA is going now, probably is at center. It is important that he can move his feet. He's he has good lateral quickness. He can guard fives and fours. Obviously, better guarding fours right now. Not quite big enough to guard fives all the time. Can guard threes even, which is pretty impressive. But so now that Ed Davis isn't there, like he's going to have to play lineups alongside Nurkic. Um, you know, Swanigan can't play center, right? And so like then you're looking at the rest of the Blazers' depth. Are, Papa Giannis is not going to be on the team. Myers Leonard is probably <laughs> not. Well, I mean, he's just, he doesn't, to be totally fair, he doesn't Ooh, look like an NBA there's player. There's a hot take. I don't think it's a hot take. I don't think Papa Giannis looks like an NBA player. He look, he look, he's. Oh, no, not Papa Giannis. I thought you were saying Myers wasn't going to be on the team. Uh, no, 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 no. My, Myers will be on the team, but he's not, he's not, I don't see any reason why he'd be, he'd be playing significant minutes. And so I think you're going to see Collins get time both at the four and the five. But if you're thinking about, again, how do you maximize his potential as a player and the value he can add in the modern NBA? I do think it's at the five, but I, I think he does get a grace period. And now with Nurkatry signed, it, it, it does take the pressure off of him, right? Like he doesn't have to do that. We have a starting quality center. I think that's really important for his development, frankly. All right, so we are almost out of time with you here, Matt, but I wanted to address uh, a piece that you wrote for Rip City Project with some of these rumors that have been coming up. Of course, this is mostly, I'm sure everyone knows what we're talking about here, uh, this is mostly about Laker fans and Laker media, to be fair Lakers. to, trying to stir the pot, <laughs> trying to say that Dame is wanting to be traded to uh, to L.A. Now, the the piece that you wrote is mostly, uh, you, you point out that most of these rumors are stemming from a Chris Sheridan report that also mentions DeRozan and Bradley Beal, Kevin Love, John Wall, by the way, but no one seems to be talking about those teams as much right. as those players. Uh, doesn't mention a source or anything, but basically saying that Dame uh, would be happy playing in L.A. And then there were some tweets, like someone tweeted at Dame, how would you feel about coming to L.A. to help LeBron? And he says, I'm generally a happy camper. That's been widely interpreted in many different ways. But uh, give the give the listeners a little bit of a preview if they haven't seen your article yet. What were you? Uh, what was your call on on these rumors? Well, you, you've done a pretty good summary there. I mean, that that's the gist of it. It comes from a single source who doesn't quote a source. Um, uh, so it goes back to sort of uh, this sort of uh, everyone's sort of dealing with how they feel about it. Um, and then uh, what it seems like to me is that uh, everyone sort of has an idea in their head already and they're finding sort of confirmation bias. They're finding um, uh, evidence, quote unquote, that sort of supports what they already think is going to happen. Uh, the tweet that, um, that Damien responded to was a perfect example of people reading into things. When I saw that tweet, it sounded to me like Damien is just being his typical chill self saying, right. I'm, I'm pretty much happy. You know, uh, I've got everything in line. I'm happy what I'm doing. It did. It, if, it didn't say at all that uh, I would be happy going to Los Angeles. He may or may not feel that way. Um, as a baller, I mean, I, I guess you kind of would be excited to, to wear the purple and gold as much as that might gall us here in Rip City. I mean, this is a, oh, <laughs> it's a legend. Sorry about that. Sorry. This is a legendary <laughs> franchise, and Dame has uh, uh, interests be that 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 range beyond the world of basketball. And Los Angeles is the kind of place where that those sort of dreams come true. But that doesn't mean that he necessarily is pushing for it. That he's spoken to Paul Allen about that. Uh, so for everyone to latch on to this Chris Sheridan article, uh, who was a, a writer that uh, apparently has been around for quite some time. I've never really read his work until this past week. Um, what I would like to see is at least some acknowledgement that this rumor comes from someone who knows what they're talking about. Amen. Yeah, and and also, I mean, Matt, like you worked at the Oregonian for a long time. You understand journalism, how it works. I worked at a newspaper briefly, and you know, I, I don't know as much as you, but what this 
smacks of is kind of that and you talked about it that self-reinforcing feedback loop and you see it all the time mostly in national media i mean you're thinking of like you know your fox news is where it's like okay here's a rumor to say maybe damian lillard wants to do this then someone else picks up on it and says oh i heard that damian lillard wants to do this now someone else is pointing back to that source saying well i heard that damian and now it's become like this thing that feels real right that exactly, feels exactly. like there's substance to it and so like yeah it is super frustrating and then like the other person who said, well, my sources say that he's going to go to either the Lakers in New York, Stephen A. Smith. Stephen A. Smith. He's a commentator. <laughs> the dude is a commentator. He is very good at his job. He is there to rile people up. He's there to get people discussing things. That's his job. He's good at it. So yeah, like, I mean, ultimately... You know, Damian Lillard, without question, is the most, it don't, maybe not best because Brandon Roy, if his knees, blah, 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 he's the most important blazer since Clyde Drexler. Period. Yes. End of conversation. Like, he loves this town. He loves the fans. He's been nothing but a good ambassador for the team to see all the stuff. So, to consider that you'd trade him for fucking Lonzo Ball, get out of here. <laughs> Why would that? I mean, even Olshay would know that that's not a good move. So, I'm a little too hot under the collar right now. Uh, Keith, I'm going to kick it back to you. But yeah, I just say it pissed me off as much as it did everybody else. Well, I feel like I'm in the church of Brandon and I'm, I'm feeling pretty <laughs> wild up right about now. I, I dig it. And if you're not the kind of, you know, just to one put, put a sort of a, hopefully put a, a final nail in the coffin of this story, which continues to have legs. In fact, this morning I saw another story uh, about this exact same topic. Uh, <sighs> if you're not the kind of reader, if you're not skeptical, if you, if you don't have yes. skepticism when you approach anything, if you're not the kind of reader that traces a, a rumor to its original source, if you just take it face value, whatever you read you're going to be lost um so (laughs) i would like to see uh, here here's my church of the holy journalist uh i would like to see readers uh be a little more willing to get down to the granular details of where this kind of stuff comes from and if 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 you get to the bottom of it and there's nothing there then you have to really sort of reassess uh, how you felt about whatever situation it is you're approaching at the very least, we should be able to kind of uh, take some of these certain journalists or, or outlets, let's say, uh, at their reputation value. If if these guys, such as Stephen A. Smith or others, have a habit of kind of making the shock jock commentary or the clickbait articles, people should just start to, you know, it's okay to maybe single out certain people and say, this is the kind of work they do. It's not necessarily the same as other legitimate journalists. I do want to point out before we move on and say goodbye to Matt here, uh, at ESPN Los Angeles, again, someone trying to use, they were trying to use Ramona Shelburne, a very prominent NBA journalist in the LA area, trying to use some of her quotes talking about how she'd been hearing in the wind for several months that Dame wanted to come to LA. She went on, uh, Twitter and subtweeted that and completely shut it down, said, yeah, I said that, but then I also followed it up with context about saying how he's not going to leave. He's not going to push his way out and blah, blah, blah. She ends it with basically saying, I don't see anything happening. Sheesh. I love Ramona. <laughs> I think she's a wonderful journalist. And like you said, she's someone that, uh, she does the work. She reports her sources. She's very straightforward about it. And you're not going to see this kind of work from her. So right. watch and who the, you're and listening the, to. Yeah. And, and the, yeah. there's no problem with conjecture. Not there's, right. that's part of the fun of this, this gig. Uh, but uh, again, let's make sure we know where it's coming for, from and where it's leading. There's no problem with, uh, building fantasy teams. That's why people play fantasy basketball and baseball and football. So, uh, but again, uh, dear readers, uh, please, please search for some sources. Well, readers and listeners, please let us know what you think. Write us at Trailcasters on Twitter, IG, and Facebook, or email us at trailcasters at gmail.com. Thank you, Matt George Moore, for coming on the show. Please come back on the Trailcasters anytime you want. If listeners were looking to contact you, what is the best way to get a hold of you? 
Uh, I guess the best way would be on Twitter, uh, as is typical these days. You can find me at Matt George Moore, uh, or just go to ripcity.com and uh, you'll see uh, my colleague Nate Mann and I uh, parsing the uh, the truth and untruth of uh, laser <laughs> stories each and every day uh, for your uh, viewing pleasure. Ripcityproject.com. Yeah, check it out, listeners. And uh, do you have any more articles coming up that you want to tease, let anyone know about? Well, yeah, keep an eye out for some uh, some more um, discussion of the Summer League game. As Brandon mentioned earlier, that game's about to tip off for us here on Sunday in about a half hour, I think at 2.30 from Las Vegas. So we're going to keep breaking things down, including uh, Nate Mann's going to be working on an article about Zach Collins' performance. He had a rough Summer League last year, if you remember, uh, and this year hasn't been off to a great start, but it might also be because he's wearing that terrible man in the iron mask face mask. <laughs> so keep an eye out, fellas. Well, thank you so much, Matt. All right. It's great to be here, guys. We are going to be right back with more Trail Cashers. But first, a word from one of our excellent sponsors, Clearly Speaking. Yes, Clearly Speaking. And I actually had the pleasure at yesterday's Blazers What Meetup to sit down right next to Brenda Nuckton of Clearly Speaking and getting to talk to her about some of this. Oh, I, cool. Uh, you got to meet her? I didn't know that. That's awesome. Yeah, dude, it was it was wonderful. She was there at the, at the at the show. We were all watching Summer League together, sat right next to me. It totally surprised me. And I feel really, I felt really embarrassed at first. I was like, oh my gosh, I didn't even know it was her. We were all wearing name tags. I'm like, wait, Brenda? Hold on. Uh, it was fun, though. But shout out to Brenda. She was a wonderful fan to watch with, had a lot of great Blazer insights and gave me a chance to kind of ask her about taking care of my voice, how to as podcasters, and even, you know, my day job too. This is something I brought up to her. I work around a lot of machinery, a lot of uh, loud equipment where when I'm trying to communicate with a coworker, you're either yelling or you're using, you know, kind of a lot of visual body language and expression. But... I was talking with Brenda about how to really make sure that I'm taking the best care of my vocal cords because I'm getting sore after days of podcasting, after days at work yelling on long shifts, getting a, a sore throat a little bit. And even where where you kind of place your, your voice as far as high or low pitches. Uh, and she had a lot of really interesting things to say about where, where it sits in your throat, how you can relax and what the throat is really meant for, how you shouldn't be trying to project in certain ways that are strain, straining your throat long term. I'm actually going to go in and get some lessons from her that we've already talked about to try and get take care of my voice you should do the same if you would like to check it out go and see brenda at clearly speaking that's clearly speaking oregon.com clearly speaking oregon.com Welcome back to the Trailcasters. We have some more things to talk about on future episodes. We've been saving Dame's player review for later. We've also got a few hot topics that we've done some insider investigation on, including celebrity athlete basketball camp pricing, uh, reseeding the playoffs, and possibly what NBA veteran wings we could be bringing to Portland that would fit here. Mello, Beasley, none of these options sound great, but they could be things to talk about. Today, though, it is all about Summer League. Let's check in with our special guest attending the games down in Vegas, writer for Blazers Edge and friend of the show, Brian Freeman, down in Summer League. How are you, sir? Hey, I'm doing good, fellas. How are you guys doing? Great, man. Thanks for joining us. Thanks so much for getting this in here. It's nice having a reporter out in the field, and you're, like, traveling. Obviously, you went down there just for Trailcasters, of course. Right, exactly. I mean, I'm your guys' eyes on the site. There you go. <laughs> All right, so uh, did you check out Game 1 yesterday? Were you there for that uh, 93-78 victory over Utah? Yes, I was. Every second of it. Oh, my God. So Wade Baldwin was looking tremendous to me. I thought he was uh, just dominating. He looked excellent. And I loved uh, Jake Lehman's hammer, uh, that dunk later on, that putback. What else did you see when you were there on the sidelines? What did you see that really caught your eye? Um, so one of my first one of my uh, first things I noticed, so we were here last year, too. So we got to see young Zach Collins. Zach Collins right out of the gate. And you could tell there he was, he was a pretty smart player, but he really had trouble getting his spot, getting to spots and holding position. He was just just so weak you know he was a really young body 
um, it was really cool right from the right from the get-go you were you were able to see him uh, kind of holding a position and battling with guys that you know we're, we're moving him out of the way last year so he's definitely put on some strength he's not a visibly he's not a whole lot bigger but he's definitely stronger which is what you're looking for Nice. So, first of all, I just want to report that Brian Freeman says that Zach Collins is weak. I'm going to tweet that out, too. And then second... <laughs> was. Was weak. Okay, was weak. Okay, good. Yeah, good point. Good point. But Brian... And you, can go back in my, you can go back in my Twitter feed, and I think I say that myself, but so... Yeah, yeah. No, I, I'm just giving you shit. I'm sorry. But I did want to ask you, Brian, um, you know, Zach Collins, he didn't jump off the page uh, in the box score, but, I mean, I know it's only one game, too, and I also know he's wearing a mask. He broke his nose. Maybe that's affecting his play. Uh, on a scale of 1 to 10, with 1 being completely disappointed to 10 being, I'm out of my boots excited, um, how good did Zach Collins look in his second year uh, compared to what the, the kind of growth that you would have expected to see from him? How did he look to you? Uh, I'm going to give him a 7. So nice. 6 or 7. So he, uh, I mean, if you try to judge Zach Collins' game by the amount of points he's going to score, you're going to be very disappointed with him, I think, probably throughout his career. Like, he's just – he doesn't really have that mindset of a, you know, dominate the game offensively by going and getting three or four buckets in a row and, you know, putting up 20 regular. He doesn't really have that mindset. That's not his game. That's not what he brings. He's a very, very, very good defensive player. He's tough. Um, he's smart offensively. You know, he takes advantage of situations he gets. He missed a couple jumpers, but they were good shots. I think he ended up with, what, five points? And even if he would have uh, hit all his jumpers, he'd have ended up with like, I don't know, 11, I think, something like that. He missed a couple open jumpers. So he's, so not, if, he's not looking to score and get a bunch of points, but everything else he's doing, doing at a very, fairly high level. So if, uh, if Zach Collins rocks it out this year with the mask, do you think he pulls a Rip Hamilton and just keeps uh, either the black or the clear mask going through the season? Yeah, I like that black, black mask. I was thinking about getting one myself, to be honest. <laughs> just like wearing it around the house, making food, you know, picking up the kids from school, just like rocking it. What about Anthony Simons? Have you seen much from uh, him or Gary Trent so far in the summer league in the first game? Yeah, so, uh, uh, man, uh, Simons, Simons, you see him walking around, he, he looks young. And he looks like a guy who's too young to be out on the court. Just in his body, <laughs> in his face, he's, he's just a, a young-looking guy, you know, just an undeveloped body. I mean, he's a really good athlete. He's uh, fluid. You know, he moves fluid. He controls the ball well. Um, his shot's kind of nice. It's a little bit unorthodox, but it's pretty quick. His follow-through is good. Uh, he ended up with 11 points. Um, he made a few young mistakes. Defensively, he got lost quite a few times, but uh, it, was, it was encouraging. He's probably not somebody who's going to help this year, but you know, at 24, he might, be, he might end up as being the person who's the best player uh, in the draft from 24 on. Well, that's wow. really, really good to hear. And again, I know it's a small sample size. It's just one game. But I think that you being there on the ground, you have a better sense of the kinds of things that you can take away from Summer League because you don't want to overreact or paint with a broad brush and draw conclusions. But uh, with Simons, you just said his fluidity with his athleticism, with his length, um, you know, comparative to his size. In your view, given what you've seen so far, like, do you think that he projects as being like – at least like a solid rotation player once he gets a little bit older. Do you think that that is in the cards for him based on what you've seen so far? Um, it definitely could. Uh, as you said, there's so many variables. I mean, if the guy, the guy, even if he has every single tool, if he doesn't have the work ethic and all those kind of things, then, I mean, obviously all that goes out the window. Um, he's definitely not ready now. So, you know, potential, that means that you don't have it now. Um, and he's got a lot of potential because he can be good. But he's not yet. Um, 
he can be a, like if he turns out to be a solid rotation player, even a starter. Like that's not so far from a stretch, but he's just so young. Um, it's hard to tell. All right, so uh, moving on to today's game, the Portland plays Atlanta at 2.30, so that should be just about ready to start over there, maybe right behind you in the building. Uh, I heard earlier the starting five was going to be Wade Baldwin, John Jenkins, the shooting guard from Vanderbilt, Jake Lehman, uh, Caleb Swanigan, and Zach Collins. Now, four of those names we're fairly familiar with as Blazer fans. Have you? How have you felt about John Jenkins so far? Does he have a chance of kind of coming back to Portland with the Blazers, or is this just a summer league uh, recruit? Uh, it looks just like a summer league guy. I mean, Wade Baldwin last game was, and it wasn't close. He was the best player on the floor, and yeah. he's not even guaranteed a uh, roster spot. So uh, great I point. Mean, so John Jenkins for him to make it, uh, Baldwin's going to have to not make it, and if it's between those two, it it's not close. And do you think that I mean again I'm broken record time. It's a one game sample size, but do right. you think that Wade Baldwin can contribute like? 85% or 90% of what Shabazz Napier contributed last year for the Blazers. Do you think that that, that is a possibility if he does make the team? Uh, I would say best case scenario, I think he can give you even a little bit more than Shabazz. Because I, I, was, I was not Shabazz's biggest fan defensively. Um, Wade, Wade Baldwin's a tough little defender. So like uh, he may not put up the same points as Shabazz and has a couple of years not as quick. But Wade Baldwin looked really, really good yesterday. It's once again, it's just one day. But um, watching that game, there's no reason to think he, he it's not possible that he can match that Napier. Brian, uh, before we let you get out of here, and thank you so much for calling in from Vegas down at Summer League. Uh, what are your predictions for today? Do you think Blazers take this one down, make it 2-0? Oh, I'm, I have no. I mean, these these games are so hard to predict. I mean, even at the <laughs> end of the games, people don't even look at the score. Um, we watched one game where. Uh, team was down one with like three or four seconds left, and they didn't even get a shot off. They ended up passing the ball at the buzzer, and nobody really cared. <laughs> I mean, so I, the coaches aren't telling people, you know, instructions to win games. It's about getting better. So I don't know who, who like what rotations are going to be out there. You just, you just never know how much they care about winning. Well, let me ask you one one more quick question. If there's one player that you are keeping your eye on most in this second game, who would that player be? Gary Trent. Okay. Gary nice, Trent. Nice. Gary Trent looked really good last game, and you know he was kind of pigeonholed as Duke is just kind of a shooter, and so when we drafted him, that's kind of all I thought he was because all I've ever seen him do. But he was he was pulling down some rebounds in traffic. He looked good moving uh, moving without the ball. Uh, he was getting getting in the lane. I mean, I, I'm I'm starting to get confidence that he's he's more than just a shooter. But I want you know, obviously I want to see more before I can make that uh, assessment. Well, let me uh, just add in here as well. One last thing. Last year, Blazers faced off with the Lakers in the Summer League Finals. There's only one way we can improve on that. And Brian, you are now officially our Summer League insider down there. So thank you so much for your report. We really appreciate it. Uh, If Blazers do get that far, maybe we'll be talking to you again. All right. Sounds good, man. Hey, I appreciate the call, fellas. Yep. Thanks, Brian. Thank you, Brian. Thank you, listeners, and remember, you can write us at any time about anything, preferably Blazers, but we will take any questions, any emails that you have for us. Brandon, where can they send those questions and emails? They can send them to at Trailcasters on Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram. You can also hit us up, trailcasters at gmail.com, or just at trailcasters.com. I also want to mention that those outro beats you are listening to right this very moment, they are brought to you by Odar. You can check out his work at soundcloud.com slash Odar Beats. I 
really, really appreciate that our the soundtrack of our podcast is brought to you by a local beat maker. He does hip hop beats. He does trance stuff. You should definitely check him out. I haven't really gone into that before, but it's a lot of fun. So at any rate, Keith, can you get us all of the way, and I do mean all of the way, out of here so our listeners can go home and enjoy the sun and blah, 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 blah. rambling, rambling, rambling. That was really good. Nice. <laughs> In closing, your honorable listeners, that's it. That's our show. Thank you, Brandon, as always, and thank you, Odar, for those fat beats. Thank you to Envy Adventures and the Clearly Speaking Oregon, and uh, thank you to both Matt George Moore and Brian Freeman for getting at us today. And most of all, thank you, listeners, for a great listening. We hope you enjoy your Blazers, your Rip City basketball, and our latest episode. Thank you again, and please be sure to come back next week for the next edition of the Trailcasters. No second takes. No second takes. Good God. Good job oh, rolling God. with that was really shitty on my part, but sometimes no, it's it's fantastic. That's a, when cool, I man. when I did when I, when I got um, jazz drumming instruction, my jazz, my drum teacher would not allow me to stop or make excuses. He just was like, "Keep going, just play Hold through it, play up. through it." You were a jazz drummer. Why have I never heard this before? I am a jazz before? drummer, my friend. Yeah. What the yeah, hell, dude? dude. <laughs> We're gonna we're gonna have a Trailcasters blues band in no time. This is gonna yes, be excellent. I would love that. That'd be great. Oh my god, it's happening. Okay, let's do it. <laughs> I'm recording all this. This is no, it's on too. record. Yeah, now. no, it's, it's, it's all okay. gonna go in. The, 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 you're gonna hear the outro beats, and then it's gonna pop up with this part. It's gonna be great. Nice secret for the listeners. Hashtag Trailcasters blues band. Secret blues band. <laughs>